0: third from the left on the front row. Do you recognize that face? That's right. That's Pastor Lugo. This is the graduating class of 2015 along with the faculty that I had the privilege to lead in 2014-2015 academic year. This was the faculty that I was academic dean of at Urshan Graduate School of Theology. And um, Dr. David Bernard, he's the one in the middle with the really puffy hat, it was South Africa's style, um, afforded me a privilege that at the time, I did not realize the depth and extent of the privilege. Um, I thought that I was helping a school. I thought that I was leading some faculty, but what actually happened there, is that I became exposed to, and responsible for, a team of people. And I'll be very blunt, even if my friends, some of these colleagues hear this broadcast, there is hardly a tougher team to lead than a bunch of professors. They are highly educated, highly opinionated, and this group at least was quite willful, including myself. And so you mix all that together, and and it it was quite a team to lead. And and I was, frankly, by age, and in some cases by experience, the junior member. But across that year, I had the opportunity to lead them, and by the end of that year, I had uh, really been able to pull that group of faculty members together as a team. And I thought that I was simply helping the school that I had helped found. I thought that I was helping my colleagues succeed at what they were doing. Uh, But I, in looking back now, um, six years down the road, I realized that, in fact, God used this to unlock within me something that I didn't even know was there. I didn't realize that I had a gift, I had a talent. In my personality, I am very comfortable being out front. I am a type A personality. I am more of an extrovert than an introvert. Um, I find it very ironic that as a child I grew up, I was told to be quiet an awful lot. And literally, I now feed my family on my ability to speak. That's ironic, is it not? And, um, but I did not know, and I love to teach. You all know that I love, I love, 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 love to teach. But I did not know and I did not realize until Dr. Bernard afforded me the ability to take this team of people and work with them. I did not realize how much I valued empowering others to succeed, and doing so in a way where nobody really knew what I did except me. And that unfolded across that year, and uh, I was not happy that it ended, and I've talked very transparently about that, and, so it's kind of ironic that the very man who afforded me this, and I will be forever grateful to Dr. Bernard, I've also had to forgive him because he made some decisions about how the school was going that meant that I could not continue, and I did cease to teach there, and and I came home and, and, and dedicated myself to only pastoring, which I hadn't done since the year 2000. So we're talking about for 15 years, I had pastored, and I had also... Uh, contributed in various ways to the graduate school. But I, I, I want you to be very clear that I am forever grateful to Dr. Bernard for that opportunity because I realized this about myself. And so, obviously the transition was not one that I wanted, it wasn't the way I wanted it to be, and so I found myself in late summer of 2015. Now, little reminder, at this point, Sister Leela had already come on board as far as staff. I was traveling quite extensively. Uh, for the graduate school, and so there were a lot of the operations of the church that were in her hands, and I had the good sense, somehow, to know I didn't need to come home and, and grab all that back and, and and mess with her. She was doing well, the church was doing well, everything was moving along. And so I, I found myself in a lull, if you will, kind of a space there where I wasn't sure what what is supposed to be happening here. And so across the late summer in, in the early months of the fall of 2015. The Lord and I had a lot of discussions. He directed me to read a book. I've alluded to it before, The Simple, Simple Church, um, and He began to talk to me. And, and one of the things that He said to me that I, that I want to convey to you is he, he challenged me. He said, son, He said, I know that you loved Urshin, I know you love Urshan Graduate School. I still love Urshan Graduate School of Theology. And um, he said, you, you were willing to do some bold things there. But I know that you love Newark even more than you love that school. Why aren't you willing to be bold with Newark? And there were lots of reasons and lots of answers to that, and that's honestly not really the point tonight. But He really challenged me in that, and so across those few months, I began to have spoken into my spirit visions and direction, dreams uh, that I began to very tentatively begin to work on. And I want you to recognize that that was at, at the fall of 2015, and if you walk through then. The next basically six years, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, we're in the middle of or almost done with 21, but if you'd walk through those six years, things like the year of the plumb line, things like chase the lion, things like which church will you be, Jerusalem or Antioch, these are all products of what God began to work within my spirit and began to change within me that largely started through the revelation and and the experience that I was afforded by Dr. Bernard in leading my colleagues and my friends there at the graduate school, many of whom I had worked with and even worked for as we established the school. So across 2015, moving into 2016 and then on forward, I began to build a team. Now, please understand, I'm being very specific above and beyond all of the volunteers that have always served in Newark. A church is a volunteer organization. Without volunteers, a church doesn't function. But as you know, most of what we did and most of the structure, it's typical, it's normal, is that it's very pastor centric. I touched almost everything. Before me, my father and mother founded the church, and they touched almost everything. And so God began to challenge me out of that experience at Urshan Graduate School from working with this team, and it was a troubled team. It had troubles. It had problems. It had issues. I came in at a time that where there was tension and there was problems, and, and I didn't solve everything, but I, I did a really good job. At being able to bring us together. And I realized I have a skill, and then God challenged me and said, okay, go do it at Newark. So, give me my next picture, Tina. This is a recent photo. You should recognize everybody there. That is a team that you should all be very familiar with. Over the last few years, you've known them by the pastoral team. You've seen many Emails come from this group of people. You've listened to us through COVID broadcast to you every single day, except for Monday, six days a week. Um, The work that led to this team really began in in 2015. And I didn't really know totally what I was doing because I was really starting from scratch. I didn't have an existing team, so to speak. I had lots of volunteers, You all have been awesome through the years in being faithful in that way, and even had a few of you that had had stepped up in some ways to be what I would call ministry coordinators or things like that, but but everything, all the major decision-making, all of the processes, everything came back to me. It came back to the pastor, Uh, because that's our model. That is the majority of churches how that it has operated. But I had a different vision. I knew things could be different than that, and so I began to implement that. And I, I didn't hide anything from you because, honestly, I, didn't, I, I really only knew a few steps ahead what I was even doing, but I, I kept taking one step at a time. And so you heard phrases across that time in which, I, you know, I said, I, this has to be pushed out. I use that a lot, this has to be pushed out. Um, I told you that I'd grown the church as far as I could as a single person grow the church. Um, and so I built this team, and, and, and as proud as I am of what happened at Urshan Graduate School and the work that I did there, this team, I'm very proud of them. I hope you'll allow me to be godly, but I am I'm very proud of this group of people. And, and I want to be clear, I'm not taking away from, from the honor of serving all of you and working with all of you as volunteers, but there was something unique. And God love them. They had to put up with all of my false starts and things that I didn't know what I was doing and times when I would get particularly intense because the closer you work with me, the more I take the gloves off. I am an intense character. But they hung with me. Every one of them did, And and, and this was an amazing, amazing team and we just kept building and we made lots of changes we made lots of transitions and we brought small groups in and we started writing our own curriculum and my lord when we look back at some of that early curriculum i'm like oh my goodness how bad but you all were patient and we kept getting better and 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 we we finally moved away from midweek services and and so all of the things i'm not going to recount tonight all of the of the path already trodden and then Come forward to 2020, right before COVID hit, and you all remember that I very transparently told you that I felt that I needed to take a sabbatical. You may remember, in fact, just weeks before COVID hit at the annual business meeting, I told you about a, Saturday, a Sunday night that I went home on, on, in January, and I just felt this weariness that I had never felt before in my life and uh, felt direction in God that I was to take a sabbatical. And so we, we put that into place and then COVID hit. And uh, to be honest with you, I had no idea what was going to happen. I'd, <laughs> I looked at Reg. Unfortunately, I'd already bought tickets. I'd already gotten a place to go. I'd already, all the money was out. I'm like, I don't know what to do, Reg. We just got to wait and see because this is crazy. We don't know what's going on. But by June, uh, I felt very pressed that I, was, that I was to go, despite the caution with which we had led you during COVID, with which we had lived our own lives. Um, I felt pressed. We made peace that something could happen to our kids, that we may never see them again. It, we really treated it like a missions trip. Mama wasn't so happy about that, but she also agreed, we got to do this, Steve. And so we we got ready to go upon that trip, and, and we did We took that sabbatical, and this team um, cared for you all during that time. I don't know very many pastors that could leave a church for two and a half months and in the midst of a, a pandemic and it continued to operate and continue to minister to people and and um they did a phenomenal job and I, I saw in in action the strength of a team, how that it would work, and um, we came home at the end of September, and we met with that team that first Sunday after we arrived home, and um, we entered into a time of discernment, and you all know, we reported to you that out of that time of discernment um, that the Lugos felt that their time uh, contributing to the team and being a part of what we were doing here, at least in the way that they were, was drawing to a close. And of course, you all have been so generous, and I applaud you again um, in your generosity in sending them to Vanuatu. And uh, you're 38, headed for $39,000, it's just, you're a generous people. And uh, I honor you for it. And in doing that, I told you, you're, you were, we're operating as Antioch. I've cited multiple times to you Acts 13, that team working together, and then the Spirit saying, separate me, Barnabas, and Saul. And we felt that the Lord was separating Desi and Rachel. And I wasn't excited about it. I was not very happy about it. I'll be honest with you. I was not pumped at all. But I didn't feel anything in my spirit that they were wrong. I felt to submit myself to the voice of God that had spoken to them, and so um, we've, we've walked with them, and we're excited. They did, by the way, I'll give you a side note, they did get their work visa, and so now they're waiting on their actual residency visa that should follow within two to three weeks, hopefully, and so we're hopeful that within the next month, they will be on a plane and headed to Vanuatu, so thank you, Lord, for that. Continue to pray that the Lord will open those doors for them. Tonight, the reason that I have told you all of that story is that what precipitated that time of discernment was that I came home to tell that team that the Lord had told me that my time of pastoring you was drawing to a close. There's no simple way I have to get that out right now. I'm going to tell you more backstory. My wife begged me never to do it again when we called her parents to tell them. I didn't tell them where I was going. I told them the whole backstory and then told them. And she said, don't do that ever again. It's excruciating. And so, I've just ripped off the Band-Aid. I'm going to give you a moment to process. I'm going to give you a moment to feel the emotions. I'm going to give you a moment, and I'm going to give you a backstory. Um, but to put it simply, when he spoke that prophecy, that there, I'm going to separate some, I'm going to shake, I'm going to, I'm going to bring about change, but I'm all you have, but I'll be all you need. It looks like that it wasn't just the Lugos that God had other tasks for. It included Regina and I. I do want to tell you that this was never my plan. You all know that. You've listened to me over the years. I've never lied to you. In fact, I've been more plain and blunt with you probably than (laughs) most think I should. Uh, Tina, go ahead and put the, the next one up just as kind of a placeholder there. So here's the backstory. story. About four days before I left for the sabbatical, I was in my basement. Across the month of June, I had been progressively taking any tasks that I had and was handing them off to the team so that by the time I went on sabbatical, they had full control of everything and they had been able to resource me if there was something not clear. My point with that is that by the time we reached the beginning of July, if I remember correctly, we left on July 10th, so this would have been somewhere around July 7th or 8th. I really didn't have anything that I was actively doing. I had one more advisory board meeting and then I was leaving for two and a half months, to go rest. I was in my basement, and forgive this detail, but it sets the mode, it sets the the context. I was sorting water bills, old paper bills that I had to decide whether to keep or throw away. My point is, is I was not praying. I was not interceding or seeking the face of God. Frankly, I wasn't even thinking about Newark. I wasn't even thinking about anything except just kind of biding time to then go and rest. I had music playing, our playlist, The Gathering Hope. I love that playlist, by the way. I had it playing, and I was sorting water bills. I wish I had had the presence of mind to write down which song was playing, or any of that. I don't have it. I just don't have it. But as I'm sorting the water bills, and as I'm, I'm there. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I heard Him speak to me. And, and he, you know how God speaks words, but He also can speak in ways that aren't words. He conveys information, but it's not words per se. And so I'm going to have to put words to that part of what he conveyed to me. But out of nowhere, he said to me, and and forgive me with the intensity because this is how he said it. He said, my visions are mine. And with that came the conveyance that what I knew would happen in a few years where I would need to back off and I would need to make transition, what's gonna happen much quicker. And I I said to him, I said, but can't I see it? And he said, from afar. And so I began to cry. And there was the right music on I don't know how God does that but there was the right music on again I don't remember what it was but and I sat there and I I I wasn't in a panic and I I wasn't angry but I just was very sad this was not what I wanted this was not what I planned I'd never ever thought of this I knew that I could stay as pastor too long And I could hurt the work of God, and that's why I was building a team and making shift, but I had always planned to maybe back away a little bit, you know, live a little ways away, maybe go even live in downtown Philly, enough that I wasn't in anybody's way. But I could also get in the car and come to church here every time I was in town and maybe sit at the table and add some advice, But that wasn't what he was saying. I began to cry, and like I said, it wasn't I was angry or, or any of that. It just I was sad. It was not what I expected. It is not what I wanted. It is not what I had planned. And he let me cry, and then he says to me, He says, Trust me with the timing. Trust me with the timing. So I thought, I'm not saying anything to anybody about this. I had determined I wasn't gonna say a word. I just, I thought, okay, God, you're gonna to have to unpack this and I'm just not touching this. But then as the day went on, I realized that I have never done my marriage that way. For better or for worse, Regina and I have spoken bluntly to one another, <laughs> as you all know. So that night I told my wife and she looked at me a little bug eyed too and said, Okay, and we both agreed we didn't need to say anything or do anything. We needed to just get to the plane and fly away. And so obviously the sabbatical turned into something very different than what I thought it was going to be. I think it turned into exactly what God had always planned it to be. And we spent about two months questioning crying I stood on a balcony beside the Pacific Ocean several nights I hope my neighbors couldn't hear me and the waves drowned me out but yelling at God ranting and raving at him but finally It was his voice. And so it was with that information that I flew home from a sabbatical and I sat in Sister Lila's backyard, socially distanced, masked, in the cold. Actually, it was a nice day, the first Sunday. And I told this team. And I told them that I felt that when that time came, that I was to be succeeded, not by one pastor, but by a team. And I'm not going to reteach all that I've already taught you, I'm not going to re-reference all that I've, I'm sure some of you, your minds are racing and pieces are falling into place and you're going, oh, that's why he said that, or oh, that's why that came forth, or oh, that's why that, yes, that's, we're at almost a year. Obviously, I did not feel that this information was appropriate to be shared across Zoom alone. I realize there are those online that are listening and, and we welcome you, but I, I, I wanted to be able to look at you. I wanted to be able to have you look at me. I wanted to be able to be physically in your presence. And so I said to them, I feel that you, I should be succeeded by a team, but I don't have a right to impose that on any of you. And so that's what we entered into that season of discernment where every single individual went before God and began to ask of God. And we are still in that discernment. We're still in that process is important for everyone to realize right now cuz there's a, and I'm going to give you a chance to ask some questions in a moment. God has spoken things from the future to me. But he's also as Paul said, we see through a glass darkly. Everything is not perfectly clear. In the middle of the sabbatical, I received an email from someone who had no idea what was going on, and in that email, they said they had woke praying for me, and they sent the email to my wife because I was not being able to be communicated to, and in that email it said, tell Steve that I woke this morning and I felt God saying to me, in essence, I've made you unique, I've called you for this don't be afraid to do what I'm telling you to do. So all along the way, I have very clear understanding of what he's directing me to do, but I'm having to trust him with the timing. So if one of you says to me, where are you going? I don't have an answer for you on that yet. I have things God spoken to me, but that's not concrete yet. Then why are you telling us now? Because I trust you. Because I believe in you. And because I've always been honest with you. The reason that I have been more in the background since that sabbatical is this reason. The reason that you see more and more things happening with the team taking the forefront of that is because of this. But just as with them, you have a choice to make as well. I believe that I am to be succeeded by a team. I believe this is what God wants. I believe that God has amazing things in front of this church that he's birthing within us. But you have to, as members, make the decision whether you agree with that. Just as you have the right to make a decision with regard to my recommendation of a name, you have a right to make a decision with regard to whether you want to retain our current structure with a single pastor And whatever structure that pastor sets up or whether, in fact, you're willing to step into what I would cite to you, a more biblical model in which there are multiple pastors serving and equipping the body as it does the work of the ministry. So the reason I'm telling you now is not because I'm walking out the door. I'm not. I'm having to trust God with the timing. The current pastoral team that works with me is having to trust God with the timing. And I'm coming to you and asking you to trust God with the timing. But just as with the name, I feel that the only fair and right way to conduct myself is to give you plenty of time to pray, plenty of time to talk to God, In knowledge, not in the dark, but in knowledge, so that you can indicate to me, and this would be the second decision that I'll ask you to make at the annual business meeting the first Sunday in March whether you are willing, when it is time for me to step down, whether you're willing for me to be succeeded by a team. You're not. You're not dealing with the specific team in that decision. Because I don't know when that point's coming. I do feel it sooner than what I thought. But I'm trusting God with the timing. But are you willing to go into a place that's very different than what probably any of you have ever experienced in the structure of a church? And frankly,. I would argue that we lost that structure hundreds of years ago. But it's a structure that every time you examine the New Testament, as I've explained to you and taught you in different settings, you don't find a single pastor. You find pastors caring for the body of, the, of Christ. You need time to think about that. You also need time to grieve. I've had a year and it's still very emotional for me. You need time to cry. You need time to even yell at me. You need to have time to yell at God. You need to have time to question. You need to have time to to worry. You need to have time to pray. You need to have time to let the voice of God speak into your life peace and courage and a future, a future that does not hold me in the middle of it, but a future that is bright nonetheless. So for that reason, our path forward is, yes, considering a new name, implementing and and carrying forth a structure that God has gifted us with. But it's also a path that you have to decide whether you're willing to take my recommendation that that I'm succeeded by a team and that this church, at least for the foreseeable future, never has to go through this that we're going through ever again. When you build everything on one person, when that one person is called elsewhere, it's really painful. I know that you all will miss the Lugos, and, and, and we, we grieved their leaving, and we celebrated what God is doing in them But that didn't feel like this feels. Why? Because you still had people caring for you. The problem with the pastor-centric model is it puts too much on one person. And the reality is, is that life has a finite time date stamp on it. A lot of you are saying, well, I wouldn't face that. I'm old enough that I would just wouldn't face that. I'd die before you. <laughs> and I accept that. But there's somebody in this church, there's groups of people in this church that would have to go through the pastoral change. What if the model was that there was a group of people, a team of people? And as God saw fit, he brought new team members, as Barnabas did Saul, to the church at Antioch. And then as God sees fit, he takes them and sends them to another place. And all the while the church grows and is healthy and is cared for. A couple of other things that I want to to address. When we came home from sabbatical, because this will be one of your concerns, I'm sure. The first thing that we did was we met with our children. We told them what God had been dealing with us about. For Vincent, the impact was not as bad. He already knew that he was headed to Ohio State. And so, it. well, he didn't know he was going to Ohio State, but he knew that he was going to, going to into a Ph.D. program and would be moving out. He's being very plain that he was moving out one way or the other he was tired of living with dad which i'm thankful for i want all my kids to grow up but we, we we talked with caleb and marcus and and of course caleb was already matriculated at the university of delaware marcus had applied and and was i don't think had yet been accepted but was going to be we were hopeful and, and he did in fact uh gain acceptance to the University of Delaware one of the things that we had discussed with my in-laws was whether they would be willing to have the two boys move in with them so that they could continue to finish out their education at the University of Delaware and and not be tied to mom and dad wherever God led us and they have been gracious and agreed to that my parents obviously are are not leaving, and um, are are settled where they're at. And mom and dad Moss, we've apologized multiple times. They moved here to be with us, and their daughter assured them that we would not be going anywhere. <sighs> we probably shouldn't have done that, but we did it in good faith. Mom and dad, I'm sorry. But they do not feel to leave and follow us wherever God leads us. So they are staying put. And so the boys have... um, They are in the process of taking over two rooms in the Moss household. They have been already very clearly marked. One of them is now bright neon orange. And the other is not neon, but bright yellow. And uh, so... Mom and dad have been kind enough and gracious enough to have two boys move in with them, and so that actually will be happening very soon where we feel to transition them in that and move them into that and let them get settled. So we we talked with the two girls, of course, and they had lots of questions, but in the end all, all five of my children, well, this is how I feel about it, they were they were stupid enough to believe me. And they have been having fun making fun of my doubts and my fears and basically parroting back to me every faith statement I've ever made and all of those kinds of things. They just don't have as much on the line, folks. Come on. I mean, what do they know? But they seem to be okay with it. So the two girls will be with us wherever we go, whatever is unfolding in front of us. So my family is okay. I will be transparent that Mom and Dad Moss are, I, I think, sad but supportive. My parents are struggling a little bit more, a lot more. Uh, Mom and Dad are probably watching now. I'm not trying to put them under throw them under the bus, but it's this is really not the way any of us had envisioned the future. But I've taught all of you, that obedience to God is more important than anything else. When I was, eight, when I was 16, I, I've told you this story. When I was 16, I, I knelt at the back corner of the, Sang- of the Saginaw camp meeting, and I stopped negotiating with God, and I told him I would serve him his way. I don't know how to do it any other way. Regina, I didn't do any of this the way we planned, obviously. you have anything you want to add here? And then we'll open the floor to questions.
1: If you're wondering, well, I preached this morning to myself. I'm a big chicken. Um, I'm hoping that God does indeed use big chickens. Um, we are trying to do the one thing in front of us and then the next thing and then the next thing. And God is is being very faithful and showing us usually as as we get one step done, he shows us one or possibly two in front of us so that we're just walking one step at a time. As he said, we do not know where we're going or what we'll be doing. Um, and that is, that is strange, because if you know my husband, you know that he, he had his, practically had his casket and gravestone picked out when he was 20, you know. Um, he's a, f- a planner, and we don't know. But we are trusting God. And we ask for your prayers um, as we go forward for us and for our family, for the leadership team here at the church, and also that you pray for your brothers and sisters. Um, This is a hard time, and if you know anything about the stages of grief, um, there will be all kinds of emotions, and people will react differently, and that's okay. You can get mad. You can get sad. You can... Be one thing one day and one thing the next day, and that's fine. If you need to talk, um, we are here to talk. We may not have many answers, but we can at least listen. Um, And we do sincerely love you from the bottom of our heart. We had no plans to do this. When I uh, was dating, courting, whatever you want to call it, Steve, We were arranging, I was in Oklahoma, he was in Boston, we were arranging where to meet up, you know, to spend some time together, get to know each other better, and his immediate response was, well, you need to come out my way and come see me at Newark, because that's where we're going to be. We have never, um, in all our travels, in all our voyages, in all his interactions at Urshan, we really thought that we would just retire from here, and God had different plans so here we are Uh, but I do want to say we love you and uh, we do care for you and God has got this he knows where each of us is and he has a plan for his kingdom and this church is part of that kingdom you're part of that kingdom I'm part of that kingdom and we do love you and God loves you Change is hard, and we understand that. Change is loss. But you also know that through suffering, through change, through loss, God can use that, and he can grow us. And you're more important to this church than you've ever been. You are, you are very important, and we love you each.
0: One more thing, and then I'm going to take any questions. And understand that you don't have to ask them publicly. You can talk to me privately. You can talk to any of the pastoral team members. Uh, They've obviously been aware of this from about a year ago. And um, have had to work through their stages of grief as well. I've taught you there's one king and one kingdom. And. If I can use a military analogy, some of you have served, so you'll you'll understand this even more than I do. So forgive me if I, if I don't say this accurately, but when orders come down, soldiers don't leave the Army. They don't lose their rank. They don't lose their identity. They just get another posting. They're told to go somewhere else. Many of you will not remember this, but I, I, some of you will. I came home to begin serving in pastoral ministry in 1996. Obviously, as you know, I was here when the church began. I was six years of age. Four years later, I felt called to go back and earn my Ph.D., and at that time, my father brought to you, the congregation, my name for consideration as associate pastor. Pastor. One elder who's passed on, Brother Alis, my dad tells me, stood and said, Pastor, we don't want to hold Stephen back. We don't want to limit what God is doing in his life. And my dad said, well, you're going to have to trust him with that decision, and, and so you need, to, you need to let him know what you wish, and then he'll decide. And at that point, I, I wanted you to allow me to serve you and you were very gracious to do so. And in 2000, I was voted associate pastor, and then five years later, I succeeded my father and became your senior pastor. In that same humble spirit, I come to you and I ask you, I now need you to do the opposite. I need you to release me. I need you to do what the Spirit called the church to do in Antioch. Separate me and Regina for the work whereunto God has called us. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I hope that you know what a deep honor it's been to serve you. And I will continue to serve through this transition. I will be faithful over everything that is necessary so that the kingdom work and your care and your safety and everything God has called this church to be and to do will go forward. But I've always been straight with you. And so here we are. I do have a page, and then we'll take questions. Tina, if you'll load it. Obviously, it's on stream, so anybody that watches this can go and find it, but it, it is a hidden page in the sense that you can't go Google search this. But if you go to newrqpc.info and then you put a forward slash and you simply put the word forward, this page will load. And on this page, Tina, if you'll scroll, on this page is a reminder of the vision frame. The new name and then keep going tina there is a structure here i understand you're not going to see it on there but the proposed structure and it really is not going to look that different to you it's going to look largely what we have been doing and then below it go a little bit further those two links there are draft copies that we've been working on that if you do vote in affirmation that when the time comes i am succeeded by a team what those articles of incorporation would look like, the changes that would be necessary to them, and then also a draft copy of the bylaws. I'm not gonna go into that tonight. I will do a presentation of this next path forward in October and we'll delve into any questions and detailed questions there so that you have this available to you. I wanna be clear, yes, I will be sending an email to everybody in the database with that link. I'll text everybody with that link. I want to be clear. In March, we are not voting on these. As soon as you vote on these, I de facto am not the pastor. You can't do that until I resign. I guess you could try to figure out how to fire me, but I don't think you want to do that yet. Let me help through the transition. Although some of you might be mad enough right now that you're ready to fire me, but pray on it at least one night, please. All right? So what you would be voting on in March is not these documents. These documents are meant to give you an idea of the structure that I'm wanting, that I'm proposing to you that we move forward with when the time comes. What you would be voting on, and I'll bring a resolution to that business meeting, is simply that when I resign, that your intention is for me to be succeeded by a team that I bring to you. That's all you're voting on. That's all, because if you are not in agreement with that, then those bylaws are irrelevant, and we stick with what we currently have, and I need to find a pastor, single pastor, that succeeds me. Obviously, I don't think that's the way we should go, but I'm submitting myself to your choice, to your prayer. You are members of this body. You're the ones that are responsible along with me in making that decision. But again, I don't have a specific timing on that. I'm trusting God. I know this is the next step. I knew that I was to come and talk to you. I knew that then you would understand why I have been operating things the way that I have, why the team has been responding the way that they have. So that there isn't confusion, so that there's clarity, so that there's honesty and there's openness. I really wish COVID hadn't made it so long. I'd have much rather come to you sooner and been more open and all of that. But again, I felt that this needed to be in person and not over Zoom. Alright, at this point, I think that I've covered everything, at least at this point. Questions. Do you want me to run the mic back and forth? If you'd like to. Thank you. I'm <laughs> We're on a little bit. Brother
2: Stephen, Jay, Beersley, Sister Regina, Beersley. I don't need it. Thank you so, so much. You guys have no idea what your contributions to my life, my family's life, have done for me. I have no idea where I would be at. My past in my family is so deep and scarred that I could have continued to look into that darkness and follow the same route. But, Brother Stephen, the trips that we took on Bible quizzing and the words that you said and the people we faced at that board studying God's word, they meant something so deep. And your father talks about it all the time at my last prayer and share. But I will think about later on this week, your words and and what what you and Sister Regina and your family want to transition into. But I want you to know this, Brother Steve, we never wanted to hold you back. We wanted to grab a piece of your clothing as soon as we could to see and feel what you felt and get as close to your God to understand your God so we could make him our God. Understand how deep your love is for people and what you understand about this world and what you want to do. We see the bigger picture, we just don't know how to explain it in words. And those words don't come out clearly. Sometimes they're jumbled and gargled, and we sound like chickens. But you guys are so deeply hearted in this faith, it's not even funny. And I wish that you didn't take all that on your shoulders 10 years ago. I wish you delegated it to other people to build a team well beyond that point because we would have never met this point. We would have never saw this and we would have never seen how much hurt and hardship that burden caused you. And I understand, I've heard the the misgivings of what possibly could have been said to you in your ear during COVID and what was said of not seeing your vision, I understand that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry those people lost faith in what you were trying to to accomplish. I saw the bigger goal and who you were trying to reach. I remember when they prayed for the 50 churches to be reached and built. I'm sorry, but we probably won't ever get to see that. God will come back and there'll only be 25 churches, so what? But I'm trying to tell you this right now, Brother Stephen, you built a team well beyond your years. You taught so many people they can't even imagine. And those ones who lost faith in you, that's their own fault. But I want you to take pride in yourself, Brother Stephen J. Beersley. You are a smart man and God gave you that. He gave me the talent to draw like nothing out of this world. I am better than a lot of these artists on this planet, and you are a better speaker than a lot of these people in this world. You have a bigger vision, and you trust in a lot of people. Do not forget that. I have my flaws, Brother Stephen, and I am so loyal to this church and to you and to my God. I My God, I do not hold you up on a pedestal. You are my biggest teacher in this life and my greatest father. God is my father, but you are my greatest earthly father that I can look up to. I love your family to death do us part. Okay? You guys are amazing, and I am so sorry that you had to deal with the things in our lives because of what you decided to take on in your life. Being a pastor requires you to be so open to absorb so much into the human body. It is tough, but I think Every single person in this place needs to come up to you and say, thank you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my life, I couldn't figure it out on my own. I had to go pour it out on someone else. Brother Stephen, you have no idea the people you have touched in your lives You've actually taught so many people that some of them are actually in this place today because they wanted to see what God, how God blessed you and how he made you the way you are. Yeah, you're quirky. Yeah, you say sarcastic things. Yeah, you're funny at times. Yeah, you're weird at times. But I'm trying to tell you, he gave that all to you. You take pride in what Jesus got, what Jesus gave you, Brother Stephen. You do not let anyone take that from you at all. You want to travel the world? Travel the world. Go to Australia. I tell you what, New York will be here, and we will be raised up, whether we're Jacob's well or something else, okay? We can be the boot of Jesus, all I care. But I'm trying to tell you this right now. You have sparked so many people in this. It's unfathomable, and these people won't see the bigger picture, but you what in the dead of silence they'll remember the one person who continued to talk the weirdness and the funniness and all kinds of crazy things that he used to say and they'll remember man that's Stephen J Beersley why does he keep ringing in my ears God loves you and he loves this family and he he, visions or visions aside God lives outside of time your time could be you grow gray you can go completely white before your time is ready to move on who knows But I wanted to say thank you for what you did to my family. And later on this week, I'm going to probably write you a letter and and, and tell you and your family how much uh, you mean to me. But I I want you to know that. And I wanted to say it out loud. Because honestly, to tell you the truth, I wanted to go to California. And I remember you telling me you wanted to pray against me going to California. (laughs) Even to this day, I still want to go to California. (laughs) I'm (laughs) still praying.
0: And I don't think Mar was saying this, but I want to make sure that no one misconstrues. First of all, thank you, Mar. I love you deeply, son. It's been an honor to be what I have been to you. This is not in any way an indictment, a correction of this church or what I have had the privilege and honor to give to you. You haven't done anything wrong. God has a belief in who you are. And I've played a role to bring you to this place. And now, in order for you to grow to where he sees all of you, each of you individually but collectively, he needs me to go elsewhere as well as needs me not to be present with you. Because in that space and that not reliance upon the quirky guy that I am, there's growth available to you. So Mar, I appreciate your your care for the burden of pastoring and, and, and even for this season that COVID has been, but this is not a response to any of that. It has been an intense season. This is a sovereign move of God. And I gotta follow his path. And I'm calling all of you to follow his path as well. But thank you, Mar. Any, any other? Obviously, Mar kind of shut y'all down a little bit. So don't, don't be shut down. Please ask questions. You can yell at me. You can, you can express grief in all the different ways. Yeah, you can even just ask a simple question. And I, and I'm not shutting Mar down. I appreciate. From one quirky guy to another, I appreciate.
3: Hello. Hello. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Really? Okay. All right. Um Wow. Well. Okay. I usually don't cry. So, if I start crying, um okay. <laughs> Thanks.
0: It's funny. News.
3: <laughs> um so are you guys like um With you guys leaving, wait, first, I want to say thank you because, well, uh, he's shut me down, so I can't really, like, you know, I I wanted to say a lot too, but he got most of it out. And um, I. There's a great word called ditto.
0: (laughs) Just say ditto. Ditto Ditto.
3: Yes. Well, um, thank you so much for, I remember just kind of coming to this church, and at first I was like, I say this respectfully though, but I was like, no, not coming back. So, <laughs> but I remember when I was super young and I, it was like just over like a gathering because I call my, um, someone Aunt Leela over there and she, we were just in a house and everything with. I, I, it was like Amani's a birthday party, and uh, you came, and it was like a lot of people I didn't know, and you were one of those people. And most people are just like, who's this strange person just saying they knew me when I was, like I was there in the delivery room when you were a baby or something like that, and you, I don't know you, so. But you were one of those people that um, taught my mom, um, like in, mom, what was it? Like Bible study or something? Yes, so, um, yes, and I, I didn't know who you were, but I didn't know then who you were, but then I came here and I was like, that's the person. And I was like, oh man, I'm embarrassed. So I don't, that, that's why I didn't want to come back because I was like, ooh, what, what should I say? This is embarrassing. But over time, I really grown to like love this church. I went to many different churches before and seemed like no other one no nothing felt I never felt this way before in any church. And they were always talking about a bunch of different things and well, a bunch of all of these versions of God, and I'm like, what I'm so confused. But this one is Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to say, you, there's a lot of people out there who are struggling, and I have to go every single day to like school and out in the world, and there's people who aren't saved. But somehow God saw me out of that millions and millions of crowds and said, I want that one. And He saw me, and I don't know how, but He did it. And I'm here, so to reject him now, I would just be a fool. So, and he spoke through you to give me knowledge, and understanding, and love for God. Thank you. So, um, so I uh, thank you so much, and. Uh, I'll always be in my hut. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, you can come get a tissue if you need it, Brother oh, Wayne. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, Brother Stephen and Sister Regina, I appreciate y'all and all you have done in my life. And I know God has a calling in your life. And I know that you're going to follow that calling. And I just want to know, will you all be still coming back checking on the church? (laughs)
1: Oh, I got lots of questions. Um, we have told, obviously, we, we told you that we had told the senior pastoral team already. Um, so there were some other people that we, my parents, for example, Dr. Joy Payton, we've used as counsel to ask if we were indeed off the deep end. Um, so you're not the first people to tell, but there are a lot of people in our world, family, all kinds of people who don't know yet. So um, it's obviously no longer a secret, but we did want to tell the congregation um, early so that, because we respect you, you you are family and you are so important to us. I must confess, I've been watching the Facebook feed I've, if you're watching, I've seen some names on there of people who are probably going, why didn't they tell us first? Well, sorry, but the congregation is, is very important, and it's them that it really, really affects. So we do have a list of people who we will be calling, and then we do have a Facebook statement that once the list is called, we will um, make that that statement on Facebook, so it's it's not a secret anymore. Uh, we never encourage gossip, but if you feel like you need to speak to somebody about it, somebody wasn't here and you want to say, hey, you really got to go watch tonight, <laughs> you know, um, that is taken care of. There are people we will be calling and we will be making a, a Facebook paste, paste post over the next couple of days.
0: Let me also, Brother Wayne, you didn't ask a question, but you did say something that I've been very explicit to the team as they wrote these draft documents. But I want to be very explicit to you as well. Your faith, your foundation, and your safety is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I appreciate that God has honored me with the privilege of serving you. And I do know that it's human hands that touch other humans and God does that. So I do not in any way want to take away or minimize that reality. I really did and really do care for every one of you and everything that I have ever done to serve you is genuine, humanly genuine. But at the same time, I want you all to remember the foundation is Jesus Christ and him crucified. One of the dynamics and honors has been to serve this congregation and to follow in the footsteps of my father and my mother who founded this place. But I've been very transparent with all of you that I feel that this congregation has been, and I was... Attempting to address it in one way, and God clearly has a different plan. But is that a jeopardy place? Because a church cannot be a family business. Many people outside of Newark thought that I became pastor of Newark because of who my father was. You all never thought that because you've known what a hard nut my father was. You've known what he demanded of me. And I made full proof of my ministry among you. And I'm appreciative of that, by the way. I've never had that. You never treated me that way. But if you, in prayer, feel to follow my direction, not only does the team model actually make it possible for God to use anybody how he sees fit without it being a family church. But it is critical that this not be Beardsley's church. This is Jesus Christ church. He bought it with his blood. And so part of my calling brother Wayne has been to make sure that we not that that, that, that transition happened. I thought I had another plan for how to have it happen. God had a better one. So I will not allow you as you go forward. I cannot have an official position of any form. That does not mean that the leadership cannot call me back. I know how to preach. I know how to teach but I submit to that future leadership and to that structure, because in order for this church to be all that God has called it to be, it can't be a Beardsley church. What? They must increase. Absolutely. You must increase in your roles and in your kingdom work and we must decrease. And so, you didn't ask that question, Brother Wayne, but, but, but your, your sweetness, your kindness, I, I, I accept it. But also, it's important that you know where your foundation lies. It's not me. And that doesn't take away from my service to you, but your foundation is in Jesus Christ. And he's seen all that's coming. Far longer than I have. So he knows what he's doing. All right. That was it. You just prompted a thought there. Any other comments or questions? Sister Beck.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Serena's here. Hi. Is Sister Leela going to continue to be like our coordinator? Like, if we had really a problem, we wanted to get in touch with you, we would go through her. Is she still going to be like connecting us with?
0: Yes. Oh, I'm going too of the skirt. I Vo- so. I all right. <laughs> when I said trust God with the timing, right now, nothing's really changing. Just the knowledge that there's transition afoot which actually is not really a news flash to all of you anyway. I've had you on a steep curve of change for about four years. It's just you now have a little bit more clarity, and so do I, about some of that change. Will the pastoral team continue to take a more prominent role? Absolutely. That is not meant to force your hand. It simply meant that while I am pastor, that's what I feel we should be doing. Once we've taken that vote, if you vote that down, then I will redirect. But until then, we simply proceed forward. That's why I'm not bringing to you particular names. You know who the pastoral team is. You know who we've been working with, okay? But I don't know the timing of when I officially, it's time for me to resign, and that's the point when we bring not just a structure to you, but actual names that are a part of that structure. So until then, you don't need to change anything as far as, and if it's something that I am having the team do more than, than me, I'll handle it the way that i always have as we have walked through transition and change and as we have become more team-centric instead of pastor-centric. Does that Does that answer your question, Sister Becky? That is correct. Yes, nothing's changing tonight except that you now have something to be sad with me about. I hope. Now, if I, if I find you in the parking lot having a dance party, I'm going to feel a little bad. But, so at least wait till I go home before you have the jig. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, actually, I saw um, Antoine as well. And then Sister Erica. OK, okay so I
4: do have legit questions. Um I can't help it. I got to be a little ornery, so I will say <laughs> I will say that uh the conversation between you and I about renting a haul that you needed right after service is uh, is a no-go at the moment. So it's <laughs> I did not have <laughs> It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. I'm sorry. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. I'm sorry. Okay, I had to do it. I I I felt it. Um so all in all, real real quick, I have two part question. You kind of answered this and alluded to it, but I guess I'll just ask, and if you can't answer these, then it's fine, but let me at least present them. Um, Real quick, to not go into anything deep, just I do want to say thank you, of course, as well, and I'll, you know, at some point, we can thank you more, but uh, I don't want to go too far with that. Um, Two-part question. So you said possibly leaving sooner rather than later, which, when you thought before, was going to be much later, do you have an actual rough time frame of when, if not, I understand. Uh, and in terms of leaving, do you have an idea that you can share with us what leaving looks like? Does that look more as in possibly just separating as pastor, but maybe you're still attending the church, you just live down the street? Does it mean maybe you're pastoring in you know Minnesota? Or does it mean maybe you are being a missionary and possibly traveling the world? Is that something you can share with us as a two part question there. So
0: yeah, I I vacation in the cold. I don't really want to live in the snow. That is correct. Um, first of all, as far as timing, Antoine, I wish to God, I had an exact timing. I literally, and you all have been so kind thus far, but I literally am stepping off a cliff. I'm sure that there are many peers of mine that are going, what are you thinking? Why would you tell them this before you know anything? Because I trust you all and I believe in you and you're supposed to walk with me in this too. He told me to tell you, so I'm telling you. When I know something, you will be among the first people that know. But no, I don't have a specific time. As far as what I believe is in front of me, he has spoken some things to me that, frankly, I don't believe. (laughs) Now, in most other places, if I did that, you know, it it would be a problem. But I very much appreciate that this group of people... You get it. You understand exactly what I'm saying. I've told you I have two things I hate about God. Faith is one of them. The other one is choice. Dumbest move ever made in my, you know, dumbest move. But he's also told me explicitly not to touch those things he said to me. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen from tonight. I just know that I'm supposed to do this tonight. I do know one other thing, and that is that Regina and I both feel very, very clearly. When Sister Rachel preached at the commissioning service, one of the things she said, you remember, I want to point this out to you. She said, your provision, remember, she said, manna came, and then when they crossed the Jordan, manna stopped, and they ate of the land. And she said, and she was in knowledge, but also under anointing. She said, your provision will come from another source, but it will be better. That's a powerful word you need to hold on to to work. But the second thing that spoke to me is she said that Israel was instructed as they were preparing to cross that Jordan, gather your provisions. So Regina and I have felt to put the gas pedal down. That's why the boys will be moving probably in the middle of October into their grandparents' house. And if you all stalk Facebook, you'll find that we're selling a bunch of our furniture because we're getting down to a two-bedroom apartment. I don't need a four-bedroom house if I've only got two girls. My wife and I, we sleep in the same room. So we feel to downsize, and so you'll see us do that. And the reason that I'm doing that is not because I I have any timeline of leaving, it is because I feel to be prepared. I also want you to understand I will not leave you until I have completed my tasks with you and in the transition. And as I've joked, luckily I've been known to work two jobs before, and I'm a master negotiator. I'll work between two spots. We will complete our task here fully even as we begin whatever next assignment God has for us. Now, with all of that said, the answer to your two questions very simply is no and no, but you'd have been disappointed if I didn't give you a Stephen answer, right? So, there's my Stephen answer. There is more to it but I don't believe him and I ain't supposed to touch it. So we'll just see whether he shows up and does it. You all have more faith than I do. It's either you're more godly or you're more stupid. I don't know which. There we go, Samantha. That's why I love you. See, you say the quiet things out loud too. You and I are both the same. Yes.
4: Um, My question is, um, you said something about the the documentation. Are we supposed to, I guess I'm kind of like confused, like we're supposed to look at that and answer that. Is that something that's not being discussed again until March or? I mean, I'm just trying to understand where the transition is. Okay.
0: First of all, if you don't do anything with this webpage before the next path forward, you will be fine. But I happen to know that some of you are going to want to race ahead quicker. Those two draft documents are rough examples of what the church's structure would look like if you voted a team. To succeed me yeah there's no test there's none of that so the reason I'm providing them is so that those of you that are more detail-oriented and want to you can look at and be more informed what do you mean a team succeeds you what does that look like so those two documents are meant only to provide you with information if you so choose to delve into that. Next path forward, I'm not going to go through those documents in detail, but I am, Tina, if you'd scroll slightly up, just to the structure piece. I am going to walk you through verbally that structure piece, which will provide clarification as well. My purpose is so that when you come to the March meeting and I ask you, you agree that my eventual successor is not going to be a single pastor but is going to be a team? You will have the information necessary to say yes or no to that question. Is that clearer? Thank you for asking. I have been known to be a little dense. So thank you for asking, forcing me to make it more clear. You don't you don't have to ask questions you can talk to us privately you can take processing time you can talk with the pastoral team some of you might go I don't want to talk to Stephen right now any of them are willing to, to, to walk with you through this to be there for you yeah if you want to talk to us it's the same way call the church office get Joyce say hey I want to talk with Steve actually three in the morning it'll work for me but it won't work for most of you but yeah <laughs> yeah so I wanted you to have time to process folks I don't want to I've watched way too many churches they come in and they announce and two weeks later they're gone I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that for me. I certainly don't want you going through that. If I'd had known this was God's plan, we would have, we'd have, we'd have talked about this probably about five years ago, because that's how I work. <laughs> I didn't know, and I, I trust that you understand that. I brought this to you as quickly as I knew, as quickly as I knew. I don't want to belabor this. I want to be respectful of your time. Is there any other question or comment that you publicly want to ask at this point? And again, you're not cut off. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to be able to ask questions. You're going to be able to interact with me. You're going to be able to interact with the pastoral team. We're going to continue to do the work. We're going to get organized on volunteers. We're going to move forward. We're going to keep being safe in COVID. We're, we're moving ahead. But there is coming a point. I don't know if it's this year, I don't know if it's next year, I don't know if it's the year after, but it's not the 10 years I thought it was. It's not me retiring from here. And so you needed to know that. I do want to say one other thing. And again, I'm not trying to tilt the scale. I just want you to know, because I do care for you. I believe in the team I built. I believe in their care for you, and I believe in you. So between Jesus Christ and you and the team I built, I think this church is in good hands. That's not to say that you have to like what you've just heard tonight. You're allowed to go out on your balcony and yell at God too. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to feel depressed at times. Don't commit suicide. Okay? Don't hurt yourself. I'm not being funny. I'm being straight up with you. If you're that, call me. Get a hold of not don't, don't do th- something like that, but you're allowed to grieve. This is going to be a process. We'll be angry at times. There'll be denial at times. There'll be sorrow at times. It's okay. Let's work through that process together. I, I, I Folks, can you imagine... You know all the time I spent working on this campus, (laughs) I've had myself a cry a few times as I vacuumed this carpet the very first time and thought, I'm leaving this for them. We're allowed to grieve. That's what's in front of us right now. If you really want to know what is in front of us right now, it is grieving and then submitting to the voice of God. Any final questions or comments? All right. Lord Jesus...